Turn to Romans chapter four. Romans chapter four, keep your Bibles open. Today I'm gonna look through several passages of scripture and that way you'll be able to mark them and uh, write them down. Take a few minutes to get to what I want to share, the thought that God had given me uh, to try to help you and encourage you. This journey that we call the Christian life, the journey begins through faith. The journey continues through faith. And the journey will not end until faith becomes reality. And we talk about faith a lot, but sometimes I think we need to go back to the basics to understand what faith is all about. And in this particular sermon today, I'm dealing a lot with the life of Abraham. And I'll tell you why as we read the text. Let's go to Romans first, Romans 4 and verse 16. Romans 4, 16. Therefore it is of what? Faith. That it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. He tells us two things in this. First of all, he's the father of us all, but who is the group he's talking about, the all. Well, I think the next verse in 17 has been explained so much. He's the father of many nations. You see two things in this. First of all, he's the father of the faithful, many nations. But second of all, he is considered by this writing as the father of those that are of faith. So the faithful and the father of faith. Now you hear Abraham preached a lot about being the father of the faithful, but you don't hear much of him in relevance to faith and being the father of faith. Now you'd say, well, that's just a coincidence and you're trying to pull that out of context, preacher. But turn over to Galatians, if you will. Galatians chapter three. Chapter three and verse six. Galatians chapter three and verse six. Galatians chapter three and verse six. The Bible says, even as Abraham, look at the next two words, believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. So if you're saved, you had to be saved by grace through faith. That's what scripture teaches. So if you say that you are saved, that means you're a child of faith, which means that we are the children of Abraham. Because Abraham is the father of the faithful and he is the father of faith. Well, that sounds, sounds good, but preacher, how can you demonstrate to me that Abraham had so much faith? Well, 
I read in the first passage, he could look at things that were not as though they were. He had the ability to reach into that atmosphere of heaven. Just as God sees the end of all things, God knows where you're at in this journey and God sees the end of it. And he said, Abraham had that ability that there were things that they were not visible yet, but he saw them as though they were already come to pass. That's what he said. Well, I can tell you're thrilled by this already. Let me help you out. Let me, let me explain to you why this is so important. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse eight, the writer is writing, that's the chapter of faith, and he's writing about Abraham in verse eight. And he says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, he obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. So you know what had happened at that particular passage. God told him, I want you to leave the place that you're at. I want you to leave this country. I want to make you, I want to make you so great that if a person can number the sands on the seashore and the stars in the sky, they'll be able to number your seed. He said, so you're going to be great. So he went out not knowing where he was going. The Bible says by faith he sojourned in the land of promise and in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise for he looked for a city which hath foundation whose builder and maker is God. So God speaks to him in the first call and says I want you to go out to a place that you can't see. But he said he saw it as though it was and he went and he never staggered at the promise of God. He accepted it by faith and he went. You got the picture? Well, where was he? He'd come out of Mesopotamia. He's now in Haran when he gets this call from God. So he's in Haran and God says, go to the place that I have for you. And he starts looking for a city, never stopped. That's faith. When you can't see it and you keep going. But now turn to Genesis. I want you to turn to Genesis 22. Genesis 22, I'll give you a moment to get there. So we first have the picture of Abraham. God calls him. He knows where he's at, but he doesn't know where he's going but he still goes. God said, I want you to look for a city that hath foundation, who's been on it, which way? Where does he go? We know where he's at, he's in Haran when he gets the call, but he doesn't know where he's going. Genesis 22 and verse one, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Let me stop right here. I've got to stop because it'll create confusion. Don't you ever think, because this says God did tempt Abraham, don't you think that that word tempt there, see here's the thing with the English language, one word can have varied definitions. And when we use the word tempt, we always think in relation to evil. God wasn't tempting Abraham to do something that was evil. 
For God cannot be tempted, neither tempteth he any man with evil. But every man that is tempted, he's tempted when he's drawn aside and enticed by his own lust, is what the book of James teaches us. So God is not tempting him in, in the fact that he wants Abraham to fail or tempting him to do something that's evil. The word here, tempt, also can mean to test. So he's testing Abraham. God is not testing Abraham because God doesn't know what Abraham has in him. God is not testing Abraham because, because God is in doubt that Abraham has faith. And by the way, there's times you're going to go through tests and I'm going to go through tests and that's not because God doesn't know about us and he doesn't know our strength and our weakness and our desires. God is not letting you go through that like a temptation to do evil. God is testing you not for him to find out, but for us to find out. When I was uh, younger, uh, they used to have these uh, commercials on television and they had a particular uh, luggage that they had. And that suitcase, uh, Samsonite, they'd throw it inside the cage with a gorilla. How many of you remember that? And that gorilla would take that suitcase and throw it against the cage and throw it against the iron bars and beat it. And after they'd get it out, it was good as new. I remember one commercial I believe it was Ford that they used to have this machine that was hooked up to the door, car door. Do you remember that? It opened the door, closed the door. Opened the door, closed the door. Opened the door, closed the door. Millions of times they'd let that go through that. They weren't doing that because they doubted that product. They were doing that so that they could become aware of the fact that this is going to hold up. There's some things that God will let you go through just so you can come out on the other side and say, Lord, I knew you wouldn't fail me when I went in it and I knew you didn't fail me when I went through it. I knew you were God before I started the journey and you're still God when I get to the end. So he did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thine son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee to the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Let's stop right there. Look, if you will, at the end of verse two. And he said, take now thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, watch this phrase, and get thee unto the land of Moriah. Now, when we first hear the call, he's in Haran, and God tells him to go to a place that he doesn't know where it's at. God said, go, he knows where he's at, he don't know where he's going. Now, God said, go unto the mountains of the land of Moriah. But let me ask you a question. 
Where's he at when God tells him this? Do you know where he's at? Well, there's a good reason you don't know where he's at. We don't know where he's at. He has now passed. Some say, well, he was in Beersheba. No, the Bible makes it plain in the previous chapters. He had left Beersheba and gone to the land of the Philistines. We don't know where he was at. So the first time God tells him to go, we know where he's at, but he don't know where he's going. The next time God speaks to him, he don't know where he's at, but he knows where he's going. Let, let me run back over that. The first time he knew where he was at, but he didn't know where he was going. The next time he didn't have any idea where he was at, but he knew where he was supposed to go. Now, would you agree with me on this? That'd be pretty confusing. I don't even know where I'm at. Which way do I go? He knew where the land of Moriah was. And he said, when you get to the land of Moriah, there's the mountains. He said, I'll tell you which mountain to go up to. He said, but I'm telling you exactly where to go. Do you know in life, in the Christian life, there's some times that you know where you're at, but you don't know where you're going. And there's other times you don't even know where you're at, but you know where you're going to. But in the middle of all of that, there's confusion. You say, oh, I get the doctor's report. They've got a plan. I know exactly which way that I'm going. But before you get there, you're confused because they don't have the test results. Other times uh, they're saying, well, we, we found this, but we don't know what it is and we don't know how to take care of it. And you've got to live by faith in both circumstances. Are you beginning to see why he is the father of faith? He never questioned God. Now, he did not. God didn't tell him. Read the text closely. God didn't tell him how long he was supposed to wait until he went. God didn't tell him when to go anywhere in this text. But immediately, he arises the next morning, gets everything together, and starts with the promise of God. He doesn't wait for anything. Knowing what God has asked him to do. There's sometimes that we know, but we drag our feet. We do, we drag our feet. There's been, there's been times where God would have given us so much more if we would have just reacted to God when God was telling us now's the time. I've been in revival meetings where it was evident that revival had come, but but somebody in leadership had plans for that week. And they said, when I get that done, I'll come back and we'll go on with revival. And guess what? Nothing happens because you don't tell God when. You move when God says to move. There's some things I know you need to be cautious about, but there's no doubt about this. God told him where to go. So really, he's got a three-day journey and where he starts is in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Do you realize this morning, I know you probably don't feel like shouting, but I'll shout for you. Do you realize this morning what you're setting in is in the middle of nowhere? Do you understand that? 
You're at a place that we don't have a red light. We don't have big subdivisions being built all around us. We're out from the city. The population has declined all around us. And here you sit in the middle of nowhere. But God said, that's where I'm going to meet you at. And that's where I'm going to bless you at. Because God says, nobody else knows Rubyville's on the map. But the Lord said, I know you're there. And I know what I have for you. And I'll send your name out. And I'll bless you if you just stay obedient to me. I'm not even in the message. I'm feeling good though. Well, why did he do that? That's the answer. How do you go with such faith when you are so confused? Now, confusion is not a bad thing. I'm telling you, when I look at this country right now, I'm as confused as a termite in a wooden yo-yo. I'm confused about churches. I'm confused. I don't care to tell you. People confuse me. Things confuse me. Some things, I don't care what you say. It just makes no sense whatsoever. It's confusing. But God's still God. So how do you, how do you go with the Lord. When you feel like you want one thing and God's telling you, no, you need something else. For time's sake, let me, let me tell you. Uh, well, I'll let you do Is it okay if you turn with me and read it? That way you're sure. First place, keep your finger right there where you're at because we're going right back to it. First, Genesis 18. Just go back, you're in 22. Just go back, Genesis 18, verse one. Genesis 18 and verse one. I'm gonna give you the answer to what to do when you are confused and you feel like your faith is weak and you wonder how you can go. Or if you're at a place where you've been going and you feel like you can't go any further. Verse one, and the Lord, what's the next word? Appeared. Now that makes common sense to me. Abraham couldn't see him and now he does. He made himself visible. I'm glad when God makes himself visible to us. And the Lord appeared unto him. Who's him? Abraham. In the plains of Mamre. And here he's going to tell us how he appeared unto him. And he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. Verse 2. And he lifted up his eyes and looked. Go back to Genesis 22 and verse four. Genesis 22 and verse four. Then on the third day, Abraham, what's the next four words? Lifted up his eye. Didn't we not just read that? Lifted up his eyes and he saw what? The place afar off. Remember God said, I'm sending you to the land of Moriah and I'll tell thee which mountain, the place, the exact place for you to go. So when he looks, when he lifts up his eyes, he sees the place. 
Then go down, if you will, chapter 22 and verse 13. He is now ready to offer Abraham. Abraham's ready to offer Isaac his son up. And verse 13, and Abraham, what's the next four words? Lifted up his eyes and looked. And behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Verse 14, and Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be what? Seen. Three times the Bible tells us Abraham lifted up his eyes. Abraham looked up. All three times were challenging times. But all three times when he lifted up his head, he saw something. The first time that I read to you out of Genesis 18, the Lord appeared unto him. He lifted up his eyes and he looked and he saw the Lord. Do you know you'll see the Lord if you just look for him? But you cannot see him if your head is down all the time and woe is me and life is awful and life is terrible and I'm going through all of these things. He lifted up his head and looked and he saw the Lord. He said the Lord's presence was here all the time. I just was not looking for him. He saw the Lord. Well, how do you see the presence of the Lord. Here's a better one for you because people seem real confused over this. I know a lot of you are confused over this because if you looked around, you'd see the Lord every service you come in here. But you want to pick and choose when you get happy and when you're not and you, when you're blessed and when you're not and when you feel good and when you don't feel good and when you're going to have a good day and you're not going to have a good day and when you're going to grumble and when you're going to praise. You want to pick and choose all those things. Preach, cow. Oh, you don't know what kind of a week I've had. You don't know what kind of a week I've had. But can I tell you something? God's had a good week. Because he's a good God. Well, how do you know? I see people all the time. I'll hear this constantly. They'll say, well, I've got to leave my church. I say, why are you leaving your church? Because the presence of the Lord isn't there. I said, you wouldn't know the presence of the Lord if it's a ball bat and hit you between the eyes. Most people don't know what the presence of the Lord is. They think just when shouting is there, the presence of the Lord is there. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about seeing the Lord, the Lord appearing to you to help you. You'll see your circumstances instead of the Lord if you're not careful. But he said, I saw the Lord. Well, how do you know when the Lord is there? How do you know when the presence of God is in your home, in, in the church, in your life. How do you know? Well, let's just take two or three examples. Number one, John was on the Isle of Patmos. He was deserted there to drive him insane. They, they had a law somewhat, somewhat like our laws. You can't try a person twice for the same crime. So he was to be put to death and they unsuccessfully, they couldn't figure it out, but they, they couldn't put him to death. You know, it's like Polycarp, the oil wouldn't burn. 
Hey, you don't tell God what to do. I don't care how bad it is, he's God. We don't tell him what we're gonna do, when we're gonna do it, or what he's going, he's in control of this whole thing. So they said, well, we can't do that, but we'll put him on the Isle of Patmos. So they put him on the Isle of Patmos, but somehow, I don't know if it was just his spirit, I don't know if he had a calendar, but he knew it was the Lord's day. And the Bible says he was in the spirit of the Lord. You remember what happened? Suddenly you said, I heard a voice as the voice of many waters, and he said, I saw him. His hair was as white as the driven snow. Jesus, he said, his eyes were like a burning fire. And he said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I were dead. Hmm. Daniel told us what the presence of the Lord was all about. He's living in the enemy's territory. They've been told what to do and what not to do. They've been told to praise the king instead of praising their king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But Daniel didn't know where to turn. He didn't know what to do. He was waiting to hear from God. And he said, suddenly the presence of the Lord came. And the Bible says, Daniel said, until there was no breath, left in me. If you stop breathing, you are, thank you. Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And he said, I saw the angels crying holy, holy, holy. And he said, they, they, they were there with their wings, with twain they covered their face, and with twain they covered their feet, and with twain they did fly. And he said, when I saw the Lord high and lifted up, I said, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And he said, the altar suddenly was affected by that, for the angel took the tongs and took a live coal and placed it upon my mouth. Can I tell you what happens? when something really hot touches flesh. A few years ago, I was battling with neurological Lyme disease. I was ticked off. (laughs) I still got it. And after I got to the point where the pain was gone, the pain was not only gone from the bacteria that was attacking my nervous system, but it left me without feeling. Many of you remember that. Uh, I'm I'm gonna tell you the best way to fix a steak. You wanna hear? Nope, not enough of you wanna hear. You wanna hear? If you got a grill, get a cast iron skillet. Heat the, heat the grill up, hot as you can get it. Put the cast iron skillet on the grill while it's heating. Take a stick of butter, <laughs> drop it in the cast iron skillet. Give it just a minute or so until it is sizzling. Take your steak that you've already put your seasoning on, take it out, Candy taught me this, take it out, Drop it in the pan. Wait two minutes, turn it over, let it cook another minute and a half, take the pan off, 
You know it don't stop cooking because it's iron skillet. And then you can let it keep cooking to your preference. It'll be about medium when you're done. If you want more, just leave it on there. It'll keep cooking more. Doesn't that sound good? Hallelujah. Let's recess and I'll come back and finish the sermon tonight. That sounds good. Well, she had put the steaks on. She told me, go get the steaks off the grill, if you will. I said, sure. We've got up mitts and uh, whoever invented them, God bless you. Great invention. Yeah, thank God for Ollie's that had them on sale. And so I go out, I get the up mid, I've got the hot pads down. Trust me, don't set it on your counter. <laughs> Put a hot pad down because an iron skillet does get hot. So I grab it. Remember now, I have no feeling. I come in, I set it down. We're working and Candy says, what is wrong with your hand? I missed the edge of the mitt. I didn't, I, for time's sake, I didn't put it on. And the edge of my hand rested on the hot handle and burnt the flesh, but I didn't know. Thank God I didn't know cause I could still eat the steak. <laughs> and it didn't hurt. But trust me, when flesh meets heat, it dies. <laughs> Are you with me? How do you know when you're in the presence of the Lord? Anything that is not like him dies in his presence. That means flesh dies, self-desires die, self-will dies, everything dies. Do you know even time dies in his presence because he's eternal and he's not bound by time. Anything that is not like God dies when it's in his presence. That's why the breath left him. That's why John fell as though he was dead. Because our life cannot stand in his presence. Do you want God to show up? First he saw the Lord. And then the Bible said, when he come to the place in verse four, he lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. First he saw the Lord, then he saw the land. <laughs> I haven't ever been to heaven, but I've got glimpses of it. There's a land that's fairer than day and by faith we can see it afar. Faith. You're not home yet, but you know home is there. You don't know everything that'll be there, but you know heaven is real and you know you're on your way there. Faith tells you you're on your way to a better place. That's why you don't get too worried in this confusing world because we're gonna go to a world where all the wrongs are made right and there's no more confusion and the mind of Christ will be our mind forevermore and all things will be made just and perfect and holy and good. First, he lifted his eyes and he saw the Lord. Then he lifted his eyes and he saw the land. And by the end of that chapter, the Bible says he lifted his eyes 
and he saw the ram. The Bible here says a ram, but the ram was a lamb. You don't know the difference, don't you, between ram and you. The ram was a lamb. <laughs> he saw the lamb. But can I tell you something? He called the place Jehovah Jireh for the Lord provided. The ram, the lamb that was there. But do you know before he ever saw the lamb on his way up, Isaac said, Dad, I see the wood. I see the fire, but where's the lamb? <laughs> he said, son, God will provide himself a lamb. I'm about to have a fit this morning. If you are in the middle of a battle, all you've got to do is see the Lord, see the land you're going to, and see the Lamb of God, Jesus, and that'll keep you going, but you've got to lift up your eyes to see him. Are you looking for the Lord? Are you looking for the land? Are you looking for the lamb? The reason I read that 14th verse to you is, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. When you get to the mountain and you see the lamb, you're never gonna see things the same again. <laughs> Everything will look different to you after you see the Lord and you see the land and you see the lamb. It'll always look different after that. What are you into today? What battle are you fighting? 